Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, the podcast where two people fetishize what they would do for love and then have to face the consequences. (laughs) We are Jen Sanford and Kyle Marshall, two people who have nothing in common, but the belief that this pursuit of love and all the drama that entangles with it is unnecessarily lonely. So this is the place where we come together. And no, not like that. We are going to test our friendship. Uh, As you can see from the new way introduced the episode here this week, we're flying by the sea of our pants here. And it's a good reminder that we are completely unqualified to give advice in any particular way, except for the fact that we have life experience. And my mother told me when I was growing up that that was what builds character. Oh, go mom. We'll see if she's correct. Uh, I do not want to talk about my own mother in this uh, anywhere near this episode okay. topic because this week we are talking about fetish. You could get her on the phone, ask her what her fetish is. Are we really going to call your mom and ask her what her? Because we are not calling my mom to ask what her. Fetish oh no, is. I will fully and completely kill myself if I had to listen to that. <laughs> Just okay. So I got to say, like last week was was a heady week. I'm still thinking about yeah. that brick thing from Maria where she talked about oh, when you. Yeah. When you when you don't speak your truth, it's like putting up a brick in your relationship. Oh, my goodness. That was good. This week, we're really just we're talking about sex and we really haven't dived into the world of sex. We're talking a lot about relationships and a lot about love, but we're getting deep in all the different kind of ways. Oh, what's that sound, Kyle? It's so ridiculous because this episode is entitled Fetishes. And you would think that people who are into that sort of thing are either going to tap or they're not. But this is just a warning that if you're kind of not in the mood to explore people's kinks, the things that, you know, really turn people on in the bedroom, maybe fast forward through this one this week. Yeah, we're we're leaving the world of PG-13. You know, mom, I know you've been really supportive of the podcast. This one is not for you. Please skip over it Um, because we are going to be talking about things that are a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit bold. But like we said, this is a podcast about making people feel like we're a community. And so we're really going to go for it. Yeah, Kyle? Yeah, I'm ready for it. Okay, so I don't even know who should go first. I'm I'm like flop sweating. I'm sweating. I don't know why this this is the thing. What what are you so scared about there, Jane? It's because like, I know I'm conservative. I, I know this about myself and you know this about me, but man, do I realize how conservative I am when it comes to talking about the bedroom. And, you know, I've had situations where I want to be bold. I want to to be that person who's like, yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to meet somebody and it's going to be. And then I find myself being like, here's a small briefing on the things I will and will not do. Like, let me suck all the fun out of this process because I just. By telling you, I will not be sucking anything. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, it's okay. Okay, so here's the thing. You know, like there's the movie Fifty Shades of Grey. And, you know, in the very first, like if you've seen the movies, like in the very first scene, he just takes her to the bedroom and he just makes love to her. I could mm-hmm. just stop there. That's fine for me. I don't need the rest. I don't, we don't need to go in any any colored rooms. We're f- I'm fine. Like she seemed happy. He seemed like he was good at it. They seemed like they had a good connection. Roll credits. And I feel so sad that that's my brand, but it just is. And and I'll tell you that there's been these pivotal, pivotal moments. I can't believe I'm going to say this on a podcast. My God, is this ever going to come back to haunt me? I'm sure. But there was this one time where I was in the bedroom with a man and I say to him, like, what can I do to bring you the utmost pleasure? Right. Which women have said to men, men have Mm -hmm. said to men, women have said to women. We've all said that to a partner at one point. Like, what can I do to bring you the ultimate pleasure? And this sweet, caring man looks at me and says, I want you to go down on me and I want you to give me a blowjob and swallow. Whoa. And I cried. Like, I hard cried. Like, to be fair, like, how old were you, Jen? This was Thursday. 
Oh, no, Jen. No. I don't know what I don't know what comes over me. It's the I don't know. I don't know whether it's because how I was raised that you just if you want to be equal, like I know we're all doing it. I know we're all doing stuff like that in the bedroom, but I don't know how we all look at each other in the face the next day. And I know that it's safe, but there's something about it that I just want to die. I don't know what it I don't know what it is. And then I'm just like, I'm like the Irish goodbye. I'm like, well, I have to go by. And it's like, well, do you need your glasses? It's like, Jump no, I don't. a window and you're on your way. I don't need glasses anymore. I don't. I'll just, I'll be fine. I think I have a lot of similar hangups. That's what I'm going to term it as. Yeah. Hangups when it comes to exploring that side of myself and how it's taking me so long to kind of uncover what my kinks and what my fetishes actually are. I think that, you know, sex and what we feel comfortable doing and what we want to experience with our partners is so tied to shame and people a lot smarter than us have written about this spoken about this and i have to imagine i I realize i'm speaking about this as a man but i have to imagine that for women it's probably even harder because for so long everything in regards to sex has been geared around male pleasure and male dominance and a sense of our safety (laughs) i'll never forget i had a mentor in my life who was like yeah there's just a disadvantage to women you're full of holes like, it's just like there's you're going to have. And the, also, all, often we have sexual partners that we know in a pinch, we cannot dominate. We, we're not right, physically right. strong enough to, to over dominate. So it's always about being able to communicate and being. But all I will be fair to say, like in this post Me Too or current Me Too movement, there is also for men a, a, a tremendous fear around missteps and, 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 and making absolute sure that there is comfort there. Because the consequences to that can be so absolutely dire. So I do think there is some equality, but I absolutely will agree that it is wrapped in shame. Absolutely. I won't. I disagree. Yeah. The, the, the road I was trying to move around here is like, I think it's rooted in shame about allowing ourselves to just take pleasure in a thing and to help others have pleasure as well. But also, I, I take a look at this and as someone who has consumed pornography in their life, how damaging I think that is. I can recall some of my first same-sex experiences and this freaking out because if you watch any gay pornography, how quickly they get to penetration is pretty remarkable when that's not actually what happens in those situations at all. But isn't that true of heterosexual porn as well? Like they don't have someone come over with a pizza and they like talk about mm-hmm. like the pizza industry. That is my kink though. So I love the pizza industry. That's Tell right. me more about salami. I know. Directed by Martin Scorsese. It's three and a half hours <laughs> That's long. Great. That's amazing. Yes. But I think that for same-sex relationships too, to be seen as naive or not understand how things work, it feels even worse because it, it there's this sense of like, oh, you should just know. It just took me a long time to get comfortable. Be like, I actually don't know what's going on or how how to approach this. I I don't know. There's a lot of stuff wrapped up into this that I think we can delve into. Just to just dive into mm-hmm. that, I have a question. Like, how difficult was it in those early times, or maybe you're still in those times? I don't I don't know where you were really having to say to a partner, like, I legit don't know what I'm doing. Well, yeah, see, that was the hardest thing. I am such a late bloomer when it comes to having sex. Oh, okay. Well, you you were you were bold enough and you were um 
stupid enough. It's stupid, stupid enough. Stupid enough. No, but I was going to say vulnerable enough to share your story. I really didn't start having sex until my late 20s. So like I was really late in the process. And that really aggravated me more because I felt so out of the loop because I had no experience whatsoever. And think of your anxiety. Like your anxiety would be so, so high. Like I didn't start having sex until I was in college. And I was just like, mm -hmm. this is a nightmare. This is a name. I don't yeah, know like, what, what I'm do doing. Do? And I remember being in those early relationships when I was pushing myself to be like, no, I have to be outgoing. This isn't just going to fall into my lap sort of thing. I have to, you know, go on dates and, and go through the process. <laughs> it's just like a business transaction. But, you know, <laughs> he's goal setting, guys. He's goal setting. I was in my golden parachute and uh, visualizing the future. <laughs> but, vision uh, board, vision board. But I remember being asked that when the first times on, on a Tinder date. And I think I've spoken about this really awful experience I had in Texas where they came over to my hotel room. That's so dangerous. So dangerous. It's such a dumb idea. So like it could have gotten so much worse. But they're like, what do you like? What do you like to do? I'm like, to be brutally honest, I don't know. I have no idea. I talk such a big game on, on totally. Tinder, like sending messages like, yeah, I'm going to slam you against the wall. I'm going to do this. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how, how this all works. <laughs> the big bluff from Kyle. Honestly, if the world, if the roles were reversed and that was me in that hotel room, and he's like, yeah, so what are you into? I'd be like, oh, photography and movie. Like I would have missed them. I would have just missed that entirely. <laughs> that whole boat would have just sailed away and I would have been like, oh, God. Yeah, you meant. I'm really into urban gardening, actually. I <laughs> that, love it. Yeah, that would have been that would have been me. Let me show you my pictures of my garden. Oh, yikes. And he would have been like, cool. I want to see those pictures of your garden. I would have been like, oh, no, it's an actual garden. So it was even like this is I feel like such a country bumpkin because I even <laughs> when people use euphemisms, like I didn't know what they were talking about. It's like I remember being asked if I wanted my salad tossed. And I'm like, I do not know what you're talking about. So I do not know how to answer your question. I have to say I was kind of lucky enough to be in this kind of friends with benefits situation for like six or seven months where they did teach me a lot of things. And I actually did discover what some of my kinks actually are through that process. So ultimately, I think that was a positive thing, even though I don't think that relationship actually ended in the most positive of ways. But the time we spent together was a positive one. You know, aren't we all so thankful for those sexual mentors? Like one of mm -hmm. my first sexual partners was like, men don't like that. Like, don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. That's from movies. Don't do that. It's one guy said that he likes that and it got around. And that act was talking. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my God. <laughs> but honestly, it feels like the sexual take a penny, leave a penny. Like we're all in a community mm -hmm. together. I'm so grateful for like a sexual mentor of my own who was like, no, do it like this. Let's do it like this. Don't do that. Do this. Do this. Oh, that's good. And you're like, oh my God, thank God you're here. Thank God you're here. To delve into this a little deeper then, I, I know you're saying that you're fairly vanilla or conservative, but do you have like a secret sex act that you're longing to try, but are afraid to actually ask your partner to do? I was reading this survey actually recently that apparently 28% of us actually do have this thing that we want to share. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I want to know if you actually have that thing that you're thinking about, Jen. Well, I can tell you that I was like, no, no, I no, I don't. I'm part of the 72% of people that, that don't, um, which I think that, that that number is bullshit. I bet half, half of us have something kinky. But I will tell you that it wasn't so much like an act or it wasn't so much a thing. Then this was a few years ago. I was having sex with a man and it was fine. <laughs> it was going fine. And then he kind of backed off a little bit 
And he started talking, which you've just made mention is a rarity that people, I like it. I'm a, like, I'm a word person. So to me, my love language is words of affection. So obviously that was going to be great. He started talking about like, Oh, I just want to be with you. I want to, and we just went on and on. And then all of a sudden he said, and I'll never forget it because it was like such a jarring moment for me. I was trying to process so many emotions. He said, I just really, really want to put a baby inside you. Whoa. I just want to know that there's something between us. Oh my God. I don't know what happened to my whole body. I don't know if it's biological. I don't know if it's because I was of a childbearing age. I don't know what it was, but my whole body just melted underneath me. And it was explosive for me after that. And I've been thinking about that experience because I wonder if that can be replicated with another partner or if it was just was this person. Like I loved this person and I was going to be in a relationship with this person. And it was basically like an affirmation of commitment. But there was something about him saying, I'm going to put a baby in you that I was just like melt. And you know my stance on kids. I'm like, oh, uh, I'm not sure. I also think there's something to what you just mentioned there. Did you ever watch the TV show Community at all? Yeah. So just very quick, I won't go into it too far, but there is a character of the Dean in that show. And very early on in season one, he dresses up as a Dalmatian. He's like, Mm. this better not awaken anything in me. And then ever so slowly over the course of that show, he likes to dress up as dogs more and more and more. (laughs) Anyways, I kind of think of that in the realm of fetishes in a way where I think that there can be that effect. It's like, oh, I didn't realize this was a thing that turned me on. And it kind of, you kind of just like build on it, build on it, build on it. But I also think that it is true that it can be just with a particular person or people. Boy, I'm going to be sharing a lot of stuff here today. So if you, the, the phone lines are open, everyone, if you want to <laughs> join in and, and share your stories. There was a person that I worked with at a previous job. We were never in a relationship. They were not gay. So it would never have happened. They accidentally, jokingly, called me daddy one day and <gasps> i found them attractive i just said and for some reason that flipped the switch i'm like i did not think that was a thing that would do it for me but with this person is but i've been in other relationships where they didn't do it for me oh, so i really? think it's a weird thing so i think it is true for that particular thing it wasn't but for like dirty talk especially that is like i didn't think i was into that and then someone did it for me like oh no this is actually a thing that i very, very, very much enjoy. The question is on the issue of replication. You discovered that with other partners, it didn't turn you on. But did you have the courage to say, like, call me daddy? No, I have not. See, this is where I'm stuck is that I want to know if this if this can be replicated. But with a new sexual partner, I do not have the courage to say. And I even cringe at the right. thought of saying to another sexual partner, say that you want to put a baby in me. Like, I feel like you'd see a dust outline, like a chalk outline, like a wily coyote. They just like out of the house they go, right? Well, that's my thing, too, because for me, that has nothing to do with like an incestuous relationship. But I could understand why someone might perceive that to be in that realm. And yeah, that's not really the thing for me that turns me on. So I'm with you. It's like I cannot really bring that up and say, hey, call me this and see if it does anything. It just would feel weird. Yeah, but if you want to know or if you that's the hard part. But coming to what you were saying before about pornography, like the idea of a especially a woman calling a man daddy has been totally made socially acceptable through film and television, right? Like oh, it doesn't 100%. carry that taboo. Does does it carry taboo in the in the gay community? I don't know. No, like there literally is roles of that you can have of like the daddy or 
bear and cub. Like there's all these different like slang terms that you can use that are basically those types of relationships. Hmm. Well, the more you know. Rainbow has gone across the screen. Want to go to the fishbowl? Let's do it. Wait, wait, wait. Is there more stuff you want to share? <laughs> I will say this. That we do want people that are listening this to share their stories totally. with us. So definitely go to our website, somebodydatejenandkyle.com. Jen is with two N's. And there's each week themes, questions are posted there. So you can actually add in your commentary from that portal. Yeah, it can't just be us talking. You got to share. On the topic of kink and fetishes, we had mm-hmm. some good questions in the fishbowl. I got them in there. Oh, great. You ready to go through the fishbowl? Let's do it. Hey, <sighs> Kyle, here are your keys. Thank you. Getting to be a lot. Okay. Question one. Oh, what is the difference between a kink and a fetish? Because there is a difference between them. Can I take a shot? I I don't actually know, but I'll take a shot at this as far as answering the question. As far as what I understand it, a kink is something that does turn you on, that can be used inside of the bedroom in that relationship. Whereas a fetish is something like, I absolutely need this to get to completion, for lack of a better word. Like, you need that to get off. It's not happening without you doing it. That's that's a fetish mm-hmm. where it's like, listen, if you don't put on this bear suit, we're going nowhere. Can I just tell? OK, this is another story for you. <laughs> and again, okay. the, the, the influence of the Internet and how it's changed people's perceptions. And I am again, I am not here to kink shame. You do you. Do whatever you want in the bedroom. Doesn't affect me. But I remember very early on in early internet days being introduced to the concept of furries. Mm -hmm. Um, And for those who don't know, those are people who, yes, put on costumes of usually animals and then have sex while wearing those outfits. And they're big costumes. They're like mascot size costumes. And I thought at the time, being an inexperienced like teenager when I was being exposed to this, was like, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life and just really not understanding it. And then it was like on an episode of CSI or something. I remember watching about like them coming across this. I only bring that up because I think a lot of times people are afraid to talk about kinks and what turns them on because they think they are going to be ridiculed. Again, going back to that shame element of stuff. And I'm a little bit ashamed looking back at my late teens, early 20s because I was so quick to you know, jump to conclusions. And now I'm just like, whatever. I'm like, so like the other way. It's like, you can only get off by using spatulas. Great. That's that's <laughs> your thing. You do you. I'm in, in agreement with you, but I'm trying hard not to laugh because I do. And I'm sure you're like this too. And I'm sure you guys listening are the same, which is that with the fetishes and the kinks of other people, I don't, I don't care. Like I don't, I don't yeah, care. Like you do you. And I'm proud of you for having the courage to explore your sexuality. Yeah, as long as everyone's having a fun time. But then when I think about it being applied to my own self, like I just had this thought while you were talking about like standing in a man's bathroom, like halfway in a bear suit, just bawling, thinking like, what's happened to my life? The the, the funny part about that is that you have the head off and it's looking at you. And you're like, I don't think I can go through with this. (laughs) This is when the hack writer, of course, is like, Okay, and now we freeze frame. How did I get here? Exactly. Voiceover comes on. Exactly. Like every 80s comedy. Exactly. Yeah. Every John Hughes film. Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I agree with that assertion. A kink is like, hey, let's do this. This will be fun. A fetish is like, this is my thing. This is my thing. It's part yeah, of my 100%. sexual ecosystem. Question number two. What fetishes do you think go too far? My thing has always come down to if the people who are experiencing the fetish have consent with each other 
and they're both into it, cool. Then nothing really is too far at that time. The only time it crosses that line is if someone doesn't have consent for that thing to be happening to them, or B, it involves a minor and they don't have the opportunity to give that consent, then we get into these this really touchy territory. A minor or an animal. Correct. I will tell you this. My bridge that I will not cross is basically anything to do with poop or pee. This, oh. It's a hard no for me. Or anything that involves blood, because I'm not into that either. Oh, my God. Kyle. Yeah, see, I didn't even think about blood as a thing. Oh, God, that's like mm -hmm. a new thing I have to worry about now. Oh, God. I think about the power differential. I don't want to be humiliated. Like, I, to me, like a fetish where I'm humiliated. Like, I get the, the dominant and, and submissive. I get that. But when it crosses into the field of humiliation, I, like, to me, I feel like right. that, that gets too far. I share your concern around poop and pee and children and animals. Like, let's lead the innocent out of this. But have you ever been in a situation where you've come just way like, right up against a fetish that was too far? No, never, never in like the, the heat of passion. Have you? No, I haven't. I, I am. I'm trying to rack my mind. Like, obviously I shared that situation before, but that's like, like crying over a blowjob is just me being ridiculous. Like that's not, that's not anything that like, I wasn't being harmed in the process. I'm just, you know, this good little farm, like you said, a little country bumpkin myself. And I was just like, no, mm -hmm. ma'am, I wasn't raised like this. Thank you. I got to go by. By the way, look for my new album coming out this fall called Crying Over a Blowjob. <laughs> uh, I thought we weren't shaming Kyle. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I think we should, though, Jen, um, unless you had planned to do this later on in the episode, we've gotten this far. And I don't think either of us have actually admitted to each other what our kinks and fetishes are. Okay. So are you comfortable sharing that? I maybe you go first. Okay, I'll go first. Let me unfurl this like scroll here so I can read from it. No. <laughs> That's right. Why is it on a tablet? It's taking me a while to figure a lot of this stuff out. But I would say that as far as kinks go, dirty talk really does it for me a whole lot. The weird thing is like I don't actually want to do what I'm saying or what they're saying to me, but the actual act of saying it is enough <laughs> for me. So like the dirtier, the better for me because it's like, oh yeah, okay, I can, I can do this. Maybe it's just because I was a reader when I was growing up. So it's like, oh, I can paint this picture in my mind and it's great. Or maybe like me, words of affection, like words are your love language. That could be. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that, that all works. Another, another kink I have discovered. <laughs> This is this is me really sharing with you here, Jen. So I never thought I would enjoy. It's okay, Kyle. This is a safe space. It's a safe space. I never thought I would enjoy having my ass eaten. And yet I do. And I always thought that that would be weird and like off-putting. And yet it is a very enjoyable experience with the right partner who wants to do that. Do you find that you need a lot of safety to get there? Like you need to really feel safe and trust the person? Or could you do it with a stranger? No, I don't think I could. I don't think I could. Plus, there's the whole thing like you need to be like, we need to watch. There's a little bit of preparation here that you have to go through. <laughs> there's preamble. So that's a good experience for everyone. Yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of preamble that you need to go with. So that is a conversation you need to kind of have with the person uh, that you're speaking with. Speaking with or sleeping with? Both, I guess. <laughs> you would hope both are happening. I mean, the way that we have defined fetish, this doesn't really work because I don't need it every single time. But something that can get me there very, very quickly, let's put it that way, is a little bit of that dominance and submission going on. And I actually prefer to be the submissive one in that in that exchange. So a little light slapping here and there is great for me. Uh, I don't want to be like have bruises on my face next day, but I mean, a little bit of that. 
and like choking is is good for me. So all of my fetish, and again, I I'm relu- mm. I'm reticent to use the word fetish because it doesn't have to be every time, but we gotta get it in there. Mine are always about power. Well, isn't that what sex is at the end of the day? Yeah, Jen? I guess so. But like in my day to day job, you know, I lead meetings, I have the big conversations, I make the big decisions, and when I come home at the end of the day. I want a partner that's going to be like, oh, you're not in charge here. And I mm. like the immediacy and the urgency. I find that that is a huge turn on for me is the immediacy. Like there's nothing like coming through the front door and a partner's meeting you at that front door and they've got you pinned to that front door. Right. I used mm. to have a partner where I would say, do the thing. <laughs> and the thing was like, find a wall and get me up against it. And yeah, I yeah. liked the power check, especially right when you come home right at the end of the day or when you like at the yeah, start yeah. of a date, it's just like so great that they're going to assert that dominance. But then I want the the power to shift in the bedroom itself. Like I don't want, oh, this sounds terrible. I don't want a partner that can go and go and go and go and go. I want a partner that's like, I'm going to come apart because I want you so bad. And I want to race right. to the finish who can come first and who can come hardest. And I like that competitiveness in the, in the bedroom. And I, but I like the dominance. I like the urgency. That's why I like to be on the bottom. That's why I like to be, you know, be looking up at a man and be like, hey, do the thing, do the thing. Just talking about the the power dynamic. I think we just need to underline that a little bit more because the great thing about sex and having kinks and fetishes and something that you can explore with that partner is that it should be a safe space to basically be able to have that power exchange. This is going to go against what I just said here. But I think that is why you have those stories of like call girls in Washington talking about like the senators and other people who was like, yeah, like I go over to them and like I I boss them around because that's what gets them off because that's what they're doing all day long sort of thing. I totally agree. Why you continue to hear women say that about their male part about about men of power right because mm-hmm. it's it's about trying to control and shift that power dynamic i totally get that i don't think enough people do i totally am with you Kyle. that's such a good point we're uncovering the secrets of the world here. Yeah, obviously today, yeah obviously okay uh let's do one more what's the best oh shit what's the best <laughs> way to introduce a fetish to a new partner Kyle, I've talked about crying twice, so clearly well, I, was gonna, I... I was going to say, <laughs> if I don't make them cry, I guess I've done something wrong. Oh um, this is all on you. I have, I have nothing intelligent to say here. You know, I think back to, I think, our very first episode where we talked about first dates. Uh, and definitely not then, I would say. This is not a first date conversation to have. <laughs> I do think you need to be a bit tactful about it. Because we don't know where everyone is at on their, you know, sexual journey, that sort of thing. I do think you do have to open up that can of worms. You have to say, like, are there things you want to explore? I'm willing to share mine with you and just see where that goes. I, I think people, to bring it back to shame again, can sometimes feel like they can't talk to it about, like, their closest partner. Because that means that either, A, they're not going to love them or they're going to run away. A, we don't know if that's going to be true, but also we don't want to feel like we have to hide that part of ourselves either. That reminds me of what Maria said last week when she said that, you know, in a relationship, you have to figure out how can I be myself and not the version of myself that will fit with this person. I, Correct. It, doesn't yeah. that feel like I, the yeah, same? I love that. As we have kind of discovered through celebrity tabloids for the last hundred years, at some point it's going to come out. So you might as well be upfront about it. 
So that sounded like Dr. Phil advice. Let me ask you, do you introduce, do you have this fetish conversation before or after that first sexual experience? Because I think you got to just know if it's good vanilla style. Uh, I was going to say the exact same thing. I think you need to have the non-kinky sex first just to see where the baseline is and then start layering that stuff on. Yeah. And plus, it doesn't more organically happen there because then you're like cuddled in bed Mm -hmm. and you've got the sheets doing that thing and your hair is all tousled and you're like, hey, what else do you like? Like to me, it just lends itself to like a nice conversation. Right. Yeah. Like I'm not going to sit in a restaurant and be like and then this one like, oh, God, you can't. Yeah. I just don't want them to feel like they have to bring over their like duffel bag full of toys on the very first date and be like, "Okay, here we go. And just like (laughs) unravel it. I'm like, uh, maybe a little quick. I also believe that whether intentional or not, fetishes reveal themselves, right? Like I Mm. have, I had a girlfriend once who was like, we were only ever having sex on the couch with the TV Mm. on and me on top. And I was like, yeah, what's on the TV behind you? She's like, oh my God, that's it. That's the fetish. And I was like, yeah, turn around, girl. Sorry. What what was on the television? Porn. Oh, okay. okay, Right. I thought there was going to be something even more like bonkers. I thought I was like, it's actually, we need to talk about Kevin. Uh, you really <laughs> love Kevin James. <laughs> no, no. And, and, and so I think, you know, sometimes fetishes do naturally reveal themselves, but I do think that people really do try to keep their stuff in check, especially if they really like the person. Right. And then, mm-hmm. you know, evidently it comes out, but I think it comes out that first, after that first sexual experience. And then I think if you give yeah. it real room and you build trust and confidence in yourself and in your partner, it comes out quite naturally where I feel like a total shit human being is that even though a totally safe space is created and it's important to note for our audience listening, like I never cry. Like I cried when Bush was elected. I think like, I just don't cry. And it's like these sad, fat crocodile tears that there's no sobbing. It's just like this bodily response I have to the fear of being asked to do something. I'm just not ready to do. And then right over top of that, the shame that I feel because right. I, I either don't want to, or I feel like I can't. So I feel terrible. <laughs> Best way to introduce, I am such a hypocrite to try to answer this question. So guys don't well, listen to I me. Mean, listen to Kyle. If it makes you feel any better, this makes me a really bad bisexual man because I also really, really dislike having come in my mouth. So I'll be on record. So write your letters again to our podcast about why I'm wrong. Can I ask you, maybe this is an overreach, but because you are bisexual, are your fetishes with women differently than different than your fetishes with men? I've never thought about that, but I think you're right. Yes, they are. Really? <laughs> I think, yeah, it is weird. I Because th- I, when, again, we're talking about that, that use of daddy. Uh, it did not do it for me when I was with a woman, but it did do it for me when I was with a guy. So I wonder if there's something does the, there. Does the dominant and we're really getting deep. Sorry, Kyle. Does the dominance and the submissive part change depending on the gender of your partner? Uh, yeah, it does, too. I think I think I was much more dominant again when I was with women and a lot more submissive when I was with guys. It doesn't even matter body type. Huh. Jen, you've unlocked something for me that I was not prepared to talk about. So I don't guys, I need I, to. Because I think I just broke Kyle. I just broke Kyle. I need Kyle. to drill down on that a little bit more. Okay. Let's, uh, while you drill down, we'll revisit this again in another podcast. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, if you have, if you listening have questions uh, that you would like to submit to the fishbowl, please do visit somebody, date Jen and Kyle. That's Jen double N and look for the giant fishbowl. And you can submit a question. And it doesn't have to be about the question of the week or what we're talking about. It can be any question about anything and we'll answer it. Mm-hmm. We will. 
We have nothing better to do. We're just going to answer it. Let's talk about some unqualified advice. Kyle, I sent you an article Yes. that was just totally bonkers. <laughs> just totally. I read it. It was like, no, ma'am. No, no, thanks. Can you kind of debrief it for our audience and we'll talk about it? Because I just, I remember, I think I sent it to you and I was like, this is effed. Yeah, this is absolutely the worst. This was a question that was sent into salon.com about a woman being in a relationship with her, with her husband and he did not have any sex drive or that's what she, she said. That's right. They had not had sex for the last 12 years of their marriage. 12 years. So then what his advice was to his wife is like, why don't you start having sex with other people? Wished her well and said, we're still going to stay married, but go bang other people. And then he like <laughs> winked at her and did like the double guns and backed out of the room. And so then she did. She did. She does. She goes and has these relationships, but it's kind of like, well, what? do I do now? Like I I'm in this married relationship and I'm now having this other like sexual relationship, but it feels like I'm being pulled in two different directions. Yes. And this new guy that she's sleeping with is married. Oh, right. Yes. Right. Sorry, yes. And, and not only is, is the other guy married, but he, it's an affair. Like the wife doesn't know about the relationship. So this is all types of messed up. That's right. She's doing this three hour commute each way to like, I, this bone Kyle. down. Kyle. Um, so, so there's so much wrong with this. Number one, don't do this. Do not have this sexual relationship with a man who is not telling his wife that he's having sex with you. Just stop it. Cheater. Don't do it. Cheater, I feel cheater, like I cheater, have, like, cheater. I want to have like a little water bottle I'm squirting them with. Like, stop it. <laughs> Get off of him. Get off of him. So number one, don't do that. But I want to pull it actually back even further into this journey that she has gone on i'm not a hundred percent opposed to the idea of like hey i am not someone who can satisfy you sexually so i guess go and have relationships with other people like bringing a third person or a fourth person into your relationship is not an automatic like oh like huge red flag don't ever do this i would really want to delve into this low sex drive or not being sexually compatible sort of thing uh, this is why I recommend having sex before marriage, <laughs> honestly, because you can kind of find that stuff out. If you're not sexually compatible, at least you know that going into the relationship and not be like, well, I'm, I'm just I'm going to be fine not having sex for 12 years. Like, listen, if you and your husband talk about it, you and your partner talk about it and you are like, listen, we want to bring in a pinch hitter. We need more team members on our bench. Again, like I said, I'm not going to judge it. You do you. I'm not built like that, but I, you do you. But when your own dysfunction then bleeds into additional dysfunction, right? you suck. You suck. That's just poor life choices. Like, And it's not that I have a trigger about cheating, which obviously we know I do because it's happened to me, but I just don't understand this whole, like, I have to drive six hours to be with this man while I destroy his own life with his wife and kids it mm -hmm. because I have sexual dysfunction in my own relationship. I just think that that's just like, like a, a difficult situation breeding dysfunction. And I think you can make wiser choices. At least someone who's in your same city, like, but I, you I'm know, sorry. I do get driving three hours there and back is that's a little ridiculous, much, but, but I do get the idea because I've, I've been thinking about this, that women hit their sexual prime at 38. I'm 38. I'm right in it now. And I know I'm mm -hmm. in it. But men hit their sexual prime at 18. 
So we peak at the absolute wrong time. So I do give this woman some credit for saying like, listen, I'm not giving up on my sex drive and I want to explore my sexuality. But the idea that you would do it in such a nefarious way, I almost got thinking, and this is why I sent it to you, is that is it possible that she is part of this small group of people where their kink or their fetish is dysfunctional, high stake sex? Maybe. I mean, and there's also the idea of cuckolding, too, which does get some people off as well. Do you want to explain to our audience what that means? Cuckolding is kind of what we're describing here. So your fetish is actually seeing your partner have sex with another person. Do you think that that, no, because that would get off the husband and the husband's like, I don't know. That would get off the husband. Like, go away. I was using it as another example. But yeah, this is not an example of this. No, this is an example of getting off because you were, I guess we're, we're speculating, but this could be an example of someone getting off on, hey, I'm sneaking around with this other person. Yeah. What I think is important to note is that the advice, which this woman puts out this advice and says like, I don't know what to do. You know, this this is kind of backwards. I I feel like this might be wrong. And like you expect the salon writer to write in and say, you're an idiot. Like, what are you doing? And instead, the opening reads as you don't need much advice here. You're just looking for validation. You figured out exactly what you need on your own. And that's incredible. Congratulations. And I think that disqualifies you from ever giving advice again. I think there's a special place in hell for someone who's like, I can justify you being a homewrecker. Like, that's right. terrible advice. Yeah, yeah. If you want to figure out what's out there for you, if you want to explore a new level of strange, if you want to do that, you go ahead and do that. But you do that in a non-destructive manner. Shouldn't that be like yeah. the golden rule of kink and fetish is go out there, but don't do it in a way that harms. I don't differentiate a difference between harming that relationship that you're breaking up and having non-consensual sex. I don't differentiate well, that's the, the thing. difference. I, I think we, we mentioned that earlier uh, in the episode about how consent is the big thing when it comes to discussing fetishes or discussing kinks and who you involve. And in this case, the other wife has not given her consent for this to be happening. And I think that's where this crosses the line, where she is definitely involved. You can try and justify it as much as you want, but she is not involved in this decision. And so if this gets revealed... You're breaking up a marriage, quite possibly, scarring some kids if they have children, this other couple, and just all around having a terrible situation. It's a shame on Salon for that. I have to say that right before we started recording, I was scrolling through my Twitter account, as I always do, looking for last minute somebody date Jen and Kyle content. And there was someone who asked, like, if you're with a partner and that partner cheats and gets COVID and gives you COVID from being unfaithful is it grounds to sue? And I was like, no, but I think it's grounds for murder. <laughs> anyway, so maybe I have that in my mind, but I couldn't believe that Salon would, would say like, Hey, good for you. Way to find your way to find your footing. Home you know, record. Not to throw like this original husband under the bus here too much, but I feel get your, your pens ready to write in here. Everyone. I feel that if you know, that your wife has this high sex drive and it's something that is important to her, at the very least, you could operate a vibrator for her. Like if you yourself don't have the sex drive, fine. But there are ways to explore her sexuality that do not involve penetration. your penis. Yeah. Yeah, I I do wish that there was more details on the husband, like the OG Mm -hmm. husband, not this other husband. But if you disagree with us, we certainly want to hear about it. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter and Facebook. On Twitter, we're at somebody date, and on Facebook, we're somebody date JK. 
we want to include that in future episodes. We want to use that to keep growing this discussion. Uh, talking about that, Jen, maybe something that you know much too well, oh, no. far too well. Oh, no. What is our next week episode about? Next week, we're going to be talking about self-sabotage. So mm-hmm. go to our... I also know a lot about this. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a hoot. <laughs> go to our website, somebody date Jen and Kyle. That's Jen double N. And you'll see the question of the week. And you can submit your questions to the fishbowl because we're going to be talking about self-sabotage. I can't wait. All right, guys. Stay safe out there and we'll see you next Friday. Bye. Bye. This better not awaken anything in me.